Hey everybody, just so you know, just to remind you, we are entering the final days of our Money is Time campaign. We've been doing this mini-series to kind of help drum up interest and give you guys some additional content to make it more worth your while to become a patron of Ars Paradoxica on Patreon. Yeah, we're coming down on the final week here. Uh, we also released a teaser for the new episode of Ars Paradoxica, episode 14, Anchor, today. Oh, and I am so excited for that one. Oh, it's so good, guys. It's so good. Anyway, that's coming out today. Next week, episode... Episode 14 drops for real, and that is the official end of the Money's Time campaign. So if you want that annotated Season 1 timeline poster, now's the time to get it. Laps. The time to get it laps? Time time lapse to get it. Uh, we should have named the show Time Lapse to Get It. <laughs> yeah, Time Lapse to Get It. All right, so... Without so, further ado... It turns out we messed up when timing out these episodes. Yeah, sure did only think we had to make eight of these. Now we have a ninth one. Now we have to make a ninth one. So we picked down-home favorite Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. That's book three, in, in case you're not up on your Harry Potter titles, which if you listen to this podcast, you probably do by virtue of being a human alive, likely the Western world, who enjoys fiction. So Harry Potter is a series about this boy. He finds out that he's a wizard and gets enrolled in a magical uh, school. I, I, don't, I think you can skip that part. Right, but we, we do the synopses every time we do it. Yeah, but like... <laughs> you're messing with my flow. Okay, okay. So like, uh, do that, but just skip right to book three. Oh, great. So in the third book... Voldemort's totally not there, and Hermione has a magical necklace that allows her to travel in time to take more classes? Yeah, you know, when you're when you're an overachiever in high school and your teachers allow you to bend the space-time continuum to your will so you can, I don't know, take divination more times than usual. So this is the Harry Potter with time travel, um, specifically the Time Turner, which has come up very recently as a major plot point in the stage play Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. More like the Cursed stage play, am I right? Oof. Yeah, we're not going to spoil Harry Potter and the Cursed Child because the stage play doesn't come out in bookstores until the end of July in America, at least. But we read the synopsis that was written by a guy who saw the play in previews, and we are not going to touch it. We're just not going to touch that one. It's a it's a fun... Um, it's really bad, guys. Moving on. But we picked Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban because it turns out the time travel in this story is pretty decent. Oh, yeah. It really only comes up in the last, I don't know, half hour of the film, and it it is used very sparingly. They basically, they signpost a bunch of things and unlike other unmentionable stories, use fixed time where they don't actually go and change anything. They just fulfill the destiny they've already had. But the director of Harry Potter 3, Alfonso Cuaron, director of such other great movies as Children of Men. Gravity? Oh my God, yeah, Gravity. So the director does a really good job of obscuring whether or not it's fixed time. All of the signposts are kind of from a distance or you don't know the the whole story with the signposts like when the first thing like the first thing that they quote unquote change is they save Buckbeak the hippogriff from execution and the first time you see it Harry, Hermione and Ron are standing like up on a hillside and you see the axe of the executioner raise up and you hear it come down and you hear a thump and like birds fly up but you never actually see anything because they're too far away to see anything turns out it was just him slicing a pumpkin because Buckbeak was already taken he was really mad and he had to he had to f*** up that pumpkin so they think that Buckbeak has died and then they go save him Turns out they have already saved him and he's slicing a pumpkin. It's fixed time, but they don't know that until later. And that's, I feel like that's one of the best ways to do a fixed time story. Yeah. Near the end, Harry gets helped out by a mysterious figure that looks just like his father giving a stag Patronus. And that's, it turns out that was Harry in the future. So the first couple things that are signposted, first off, you have the Buckbeak pumpkin thing. You have, what else is there? Running away from Remus Lupin. Right. Werewolfed the, out. The werewolf howl. Yeah. When they're, when Remus 
Remus Lupin turns all werewolfy when the moon comes out, they hear this werewolf howl that saves them. And you're like, oh, that's weird. What is that howl? That's a conveniently placed howl. Turns out it was Hermione the whole time. Yeah, Hermione, talented at everything up to and including werewolf howls. Talented at everything up to and including the logic of time travel. Yeah, she kind of figures it out quickly. Actually, no. And then towards the end, she just forgets all of that for like a silly... I don't know. This movie is, is a little bit corny. It's not as corny as, say, Chamber of Secrets, but... Oh my gosh, you're right. There's totally a line when they save Buckbeak and they're going to fly off to like get to break Sirius Black out of Hogwarts prison. Why does Hogwarts have a prison? But they go to break him out and Harry's like, oh, I knew I could save myself because in the past I had already seen myself saving myself. Does that make sense? And Hermione's like, no, which is weird because she's been time traveling the whole school year. Yeah, and also like we all watched this happen. I was there with Harry and with Hermione and I found it was pretty pretty comprehensible. I was not confused at all. Yeah. One of Okay, so one of my pet peeves with time travel stories is people saying, oh, this is confusing. Unless crucial parts are obscured to you. A la primer. It's generally pretty easy to follow along. Marty McFly understands time travel. He's not confused by any of this. One thing I talk to our actors who do Ars Paradoxica about a lot is the difference between something happening chronologically versus something happening consequentially. And the supposedly confusing bit is where those two things differ because in your real life things happen chronologically as they happen consequentially. However, once you understand that those two things can be different, once you tackle that, you're pretty much set. So another thing that happens with time travel in this movie, it's very interesting. This movie introduces the time turner, but it also introduces Professor Trelawney, the divination teacher. Yeah, and she's the one who has the fancy-ass prophecy that says that Harry, or in my headcanon Neville Longbottom, is the chosen one who will defeat Voldemort. But I think that it's funny because most of what she teaches is like dumb reading tea leaves stuff, and nobody takes it seriously, least of all Hermione, who knows what actual time travel is by now. But when she does come out with a legit prophecy, prophecy, as something we've talked about before on Time Lapse, is a form of time travel, whereby it is information that travels from the future to the past and alters the timeline. And oftentimes it's kind of cryptic and stuff, but in this case, it's not really that cryptic. This prophecy is pretty straightforward. There's a kid born at the end of July who will, like, rise up to defeat Voldemort. I actually think that obscure, vague prophecies are a holdover from the oracles of ancient Greece. I absolutely think that's true. Whereby they just gave young women a bunch of drugs to say a bunch of weird, vague things, and then the elders who were in power could interpret it in any way that benefited them. Oh, I was just going to go with the Gretchen tragedy playwriting tradition of Oedipus and co, where the prophecy is something obscure and you can easily avert it, and then through ironic, tragic circumstance, proves to be true. Yours is way more optimistic about men in power. Oh yeah, no, that's also the truth, is that the Temple of Delphi was on top of a crack in the earth that secreted some gas that f***ed with your head. One thing I also want to talk about if we're talking about Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban is Dumbledore, because Dumbledore sets Hermione off on her way to do time turner business and says hey if you do things right you can save a bunch of lives tonight and then also when they travel back in time go to Hagrid's house to save Buckbeak Dumbledore runs interference he knows that they've already time traveled and are there he knew that I think he was aware of that I think Dumbledore is also kind of a manipulative dick who like manipulates children to do his bidding I mean that's also true but did he know that they were time traveling it's fixed time so did he see them out the window did he write a message to himself 
a la Ars Paradoxica? Like, what happened there? Oh, I think that Dumbledore's didn't know, but I think he figured it out. I think Dumbledore gave Hermione the time turner because he knew that it was about to be used for some kind of plot-relevant sh- and I'm sure that Dumbledore didn't really want to see this poor Griffin get murdered. I don't know. I think Dumbledore did know more than he was leading on, but I don't think that he necessarily was explicitly running interference for them. Okay. I mean, I guess. I always want to know, like, what heads-up display is running in his half-moon glasses. Like, yeah. there's got to be some enchantment there where he just, like, can see all of Hogwarts and most of the wizarding world. He uses the homunculus charm, which is how the Marauders map works. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. They never explained that. I have a lot of issues with Harry Potter as a franchise and as a cultural phenomenon that I won't really go into here because I know that people who like Ars Paradoxica tend to enjoy Harry Potter and I don't want to rain on your parade. Hey guys. And actually the time travel in the story is really good until you examine the larger context of time travel within the Harry Potter. I, again, I'm not going to get into it. Suffice it to say, I have some issues with Harry Potter. That being said, this is going to be a point of contention between Daniel and myself, but I would like to posit that time travel is the ultimate Gryffindor tool. If you are a Gryffindor, time travel is like the thing you want to do because one of the defining traits of Gryffindor is that they seek glory and seek opportunities to be courageous and basically really enjoy making themselves the protagonist of everyone else's story. And what better way to make yourself the protagonist of literally the entire universe's story than to be the one person who travels in time? All right, so then, counterpoint, time travel is the ultimate Slytherin tool because it is inherently subrosa. You are the only one that gets to experience the effect of your manipulated time. You can secure glory for yourself by manipulating things with time travel, but time travel itself is an underhanded, sneaky, slithering as hell method of victory. So just gonna just gonna lay that out there. Just gonna put that down. That That's definitely a Slytherin thing. It might be a Ravenclaw thing because, you know, you have to understand the ramifications of multiple timelines and you have to manipulate things so that they work properly. No, you don't. Harry Potter is a fixed time universe. No, you don't. Harry Potter and the Cursed Child is not We're not getting into it. We're not getting into it. Can you tell that Daniel is a Gryffindor and that I, Misha, am a Slytherin? I knew that Daniel was going to have a problem with me saying that. You you guys can't see his face right now. It's, it's, oh, I knew this was going to be a fun conversation. Let's agree. Hufflepuff makes nice cookies. Hufflepuffs are great finders. They are. They're just a ton of fun. And they just, you know, keep the wheels running while we do fun narrative stuff. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Time Lapse. Please remember that it's all, all of it, all of these things are to support Ars Paradoxica, the best found footage, Cold War conspiracy, time travel, tragedy, audio drama podcast on the entire internet. Have you checked that lately? I'm, are you sure we're still that? We are, because no one is doing found footage, time travel, and the Cold War at the same time. We're the only ones doing it. I mean, uh, Archive 81 is doing found footage. And I just found out about a British show that's doing time travel. Doctor Who? No. Night Terrace. Night Terrace. There's a show. There's a British show called Night Terrace that is now doing time travel. In fact, they're in their second season. I just found out about them. Oh, man. And Hadron Gospel Hour also does time travel. We're not even the only time travel show. We're not even the only found footage show. We might be the only Cold War conspiracy show? I think we might be the only Cold War conspiracy show right now. Either way, we are definitely the best found footage Cold War conspiracy time travel tragedy audio drama podcast on the entire internet. We're certainly not the only tragic audio drama podcast on the entire internet. Oh, God, I'm so sorry, Tumblr. So if you like what we're doing here, please contribute to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Ars Paradoxica. Help us make more of that show. Stalk us on the internet. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Are we on LiveJournal? Daniel, even we are not angsty enough to be on LiveJournal. Oh, that's true. But still, if, if it's, it's Ars Paradoxica, Paradoxica it's, it's probably, probably us. us. Thanks for
for joining us. And catch us next week for the final episode of Season 1 of Time Lapse. Ooh.